This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, hello and welcome to Albion Analysis. Me, Chris Hall, and him, Pete George. It's a new episode, but unfortunately, it's the same old story for Albion. Pretty much the story that we had for large chunks of last season, and certainly the story that we've had for portions, well, for all of this season. Albion, again, another game where they have more of the ball, more opportunities, but unfortunately, don't get the result that they want partly because of some lack of finishing, partly lack of personnel, because we're still hunting that striker and we still don't have the options we would like at the top end of the field. Pete, I mean, it, it does seem to be recycling the same, the same thoughts to a certain extent, but they're still very, very applicable. We are absolutely crying out for that number nine at the moment, aren't we? And this is, again, nothing nothing against Grant, but we had another game where we saw an awful lot of our chances coming from balls into the box, crosses across the penalty area, and we just don't have that type of striker at the moment that can take those opportunities. Yeah, I think it's a lack of a striker that's, um, you know, physical, tall, and going to win headers and challenging the air because I think Grant can play as a nine, but you know, he's not the man you want if you're going to whip in 40 crosses a game or whatever it was against. I think that was when we played Watford, but you know, we're yeah, putting 42. in crosses against 42 against Watford. So, I mean, we're putting quite a few in against Blackburn again, but didn't have that target. So I think we need that kind of striker in. Grant can do it against maybe teams that play a bit higher if he's running in behind and with his movement, but, if we're looking to put plenty of crosses into the box, then we need a we need a target in there to to get on the end of them. Absolutely, but there's a, there's a point that I want to make on this, Pete, because it is very easy to to focus on uh, on Grant. But and I, I, before I say this, I'd like to caveat that not all shots are equal. I am aware of that. Some people reel off shots data and say, "Oh, we had twenty shots in a game, therefore." it's really poor that we've not scored X amount of goals. Yeah, but it depends where your shots are coming from, what the value of them of them is. You know, you, you could, anybody can take 20 shots from 30 yards. The, the, the XG of that, the expected goals of that is extremely low. So there is an element with this that I take, the, uh, take this data with a pinch of salt. But nonetheless, we've had nine shots for Grant. He scored one goal. Eight shots, shots for Swift. He scored one goal. Furlong is third on that list, seven shots, zero goals. Then comes Wallace, five shots, zero goals. Then comes Ajayi, four shots, zero goals. This is across the the three games. But also to take that a little bit further, we have in the last two games, we have had um, 32 attempts on goal. 16 of those have come from set pieces. So whilst we can look at the finishing of our of our forwards and our midfielders, Swift, Wallace, Grant, and we should, 
and we should, and Grant missed another decent chance against Blackburn in a one-on-one, but the keeper was pretty much on top of him when the ball came it came to him he he was a little he was a little bit unlucky i kind of felt that the ball could have gone across the penalty area maybe just a fraction of a second earlier and made the chance easier for him I actually think when we look at some of the better chances at the moment grant's missed some big ones against watford i admit that but also you look at some of the chances coming and they're coming to defenders because Half of our chances, 50% of our chances in the last two games have come from set pieces. Now, Furlong hasn't scored for 18 months. He hasn't scored since the Newcastle game, I believe I'm right in saying. I think you said in a pod at the end of last season, Pete, in fact, when we did our end of season pods, I think he finished the season with over four XG for last season. Now, he's averaging 2.3 shots a game. He's missed an excellent chance at Blackburn from a header. He's then had, he had the volley against Watford, which, okay, Backman makes a decent save from, but he puts that either side of him and he scores. And it's not just him, by the way. O'Shea's had, had a header against Watford that I would argue he should have done better with. And then you look at that late chance for a Jai where... And we've talked, chatted about this off air and the XG is actually quite low on it. But what the XG doesn't take into account is the position of the goalkeeper because the goalkeeper comes for the ball, completely misreads it, flaps, gets caught underneath it. And Ajay, although he heads the ball from about 12 yards out, which XG would consider to be a low probability area, he's a heading hit towards a goal that has no goalkeeper in. He's got to do better. And I have to say, I wonder whether it's come, given given the amount of chances we have from set pieces, whether it's come to a point where we are crying out for our defenders to do some finishing cha- uh, finishing training because they're actually getting an awful lot of our chances. As I say, in three games, eleven shots have fallen to Furlong and Ajay alone. Yeah, and I mean. Obviously, it's an issue if we're not putting the ball in the back of the net. I'd probably caveat that and say by saying that it's still very early days in this season. If you look at it along with last season, then obviously it's a really worrying trend, but it's still early days. And um, I think the overall XG for this season is about 2.85 and we've scored two goals. So if we score in the next few shots and, you know, we're running level and it's, yeah, really early days for that. Um, so I don't think it's, time for a meltdown about that yet I mean if it continues long term like it did last season then it's something to be concerned about um, I think against Blackburn really is we struggled to create a lot of great chances like the overall issue was just over one which you know we scored one um, admittedly a very lucky one but that's the whole point of it being a big sample size that this luck evens itself out um, but I think yeah the issue against Blackburn, Blackburn was more about creativity issues rather than than finishing. We had a few, some, we had plenty of shots, but not many really high quality chances. But nonetheless, does that not show the need to be a bit more prolific from set pieces? Because the, the, I mean, again, one of the slight problems with XG is that um, it, is, it, is that it doesn't necessarily always take. Well, it can't take into account the quality of the ball into the penalty area, i.e., the pace, uh, the pace on it, and things like that. Again, again, it just takes into account the area from which the the player heads the ball. And when you've got somebody like Wallace putting balls in, and he puts unbelievable balls into the penalty area almost every time, and Swift isn't half bad either when he delivers. I think over the last two years, really, we've had that physical presence in there from our centre-halves, whether it's O'Shea, Bartley, Ajayi, and Furlong gets off the ground so, so well. And yet we just, we we don't see enough goals from set pieces. Because I thought it was really interesting last season, at the end of last season, when we we had a listener send in a question about Mowat's what he perceived to be poor delivery from set pieces. And you actually pulled the data and it showed that actually the expected threat from Moet's corners was actually pretty good. But the the way, either either the way we're attacking them or the finishing from them was letting them down. 
do we fundamentally have a problem with with the way we are um, utilizing the quality of delivery that we have had and do have from set pieces? Maybe, and I think it's changed from last season because I think if I remember correctly, then when I looked at it, the corners, especially in a bit more detail, that basically Bartley was by quite by quite a large margin the the main target for for corners, but at the same time having quite a low expected goals from them. So I think he was being used as kind of someone to flick it on or head it back across the face of goal and set up other people. And obviously without Bartley on the pitch, then, well, he can't be the target, can he? So I think we're kind of maybe switching the approach. Um, But yeah, I mean, especially with Wallace, I mean, he can deliver crosses from basically anywhere on the pitch. So, and his corners have been quality as well. So we've definitely got the delivery, but I mean, it might be a case again of not having the striker that um, is like a, an aerial threat because we're relying on defenders to put the ball in the back of the net. Who, um, I mean, they should still be able to do it. Obviously, they're professional footballers; they play every day. They can head a ball and attack corners, no problem. But if you have an actual finisher that that you know it's his job full time to score goals, then you know they might be a bit a bit of a better weapon to have from from those corners. Yeah, and you you look how much of a weapon a prolific or or a, um, a, a yeah I don't want to say prolific because there's only Brerett and Diaz out of the two of them who actually is prolific, um, but a um, a striker who who takes their chances how much of a weapon that can be by looking at Blackburn because they have had 10 shots on target, which I do believe is the lowest in the division. And yet they've scored six goals. I mean, they're, they're scoring at 60% of their of their shots on target. I mean, that is freakish. And they didn't have a lot of chances in that game. And yet they've tucked two of them away, both from areas as well, where you wouldn't necessarily expect them to score from the edge of the 18-yard box. And I will come on to talk about Button's part in that because I I believe he has played a part in that in a minute. But I just want to continue with with this point a little bit that is it also important, and I, I don't like to talk about luck a lot, but we've probably been a little bit unfortunate in the first two games because... You look uh, sorry in the last two games, not the first one. We, if anything, we were fortunate to get away with uh, from Middlesbrough with a one-one draw because they they had so many chances in that first half that you've got you've got to go in at least two 0 up. And I think if they go in two 0 up against us, we probably don't come back in that game. But since then, against Watford, I mean, they've scored from the halfway line for crying out loud. Okay, yes, they've missed a penalty a a bit later on but even then we're fairly unfortunate because Townsend goes into a challenge and the freakish ricochet is the perfect through ball for Ishmael Asar to run through and and get brought down for the penalty and then we 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 concede to two goals two shots from outside the 18 yard box I mean we it's it's almost like everything that 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 teams hit against us is going in at the moment in the last two matches, other than the penalty, obviously. And you've, you, you know, you've got a feel in terms of variance, Pete, that sooner or later, if we continue to perform like we are, which is outperforming our opposition, that it's going to come good as long as the mental state of the players and also probably the mental state of the fans doesn't drop and that doesn't seep through negativity into the players, into the fans, into the atmosphere, that we don't, we don't end up going back into our shell. But I think if we keep doing the things that we are doing, and Bruce said after the game, he kept saying that we're not far away, that, you know, that, that, that football's a cruel game and that you don't always get what you deserve out of it. Whilst I, don't, I, I rarely agree with managers when they say things like that, because I tend to, I tend to think that you, most of the time you get what you deserve in football, I don't feel like we got to, we've got what we deserved in the last two games. And I do think if we continue to play largely in the same way, that results will turn. What do you think? I basically agree with you. And what's pretty important there is keeping the players um, on board and focused and just 
kind of drilling into them that what they're actually doing is pretty good so far and that they have been reasonably unlucky. Um, so to not to not really worry about it because we kind of had that issue last year, I think, where we were getting unlucky in front of goal. We had some big chances that we didn't finish, but then obviously the heads massively dropped and you could kind of tell that the players weren't, you know, the heads weren't in it, um, hearts weren't in it and they didn't seem to be believing in what they were being told to do. So I think, yeah, the tide will probably turn where we start to get a bit more luck. I think Watford were very unlucky. Um, Grant could have had, how I many could have had a hat-trick at least. Um, Saar obviously scoring from the halfway line is extremely unfortunate for us. Um, and then against Blackburn, more about the goals that we conceded. I think, I mean, if you look at the XG, I think it was about 1.05 to Albion and 0.3 to to Blackburn. So obviously we created the better chances. But again, in games like that, we probably do need to be creating a few more just to to really guarantee the the win. Well, I think we played better than them, but I don't think a draw would have been a completely unfair result if, um, you know, based on the chances that each team did create. I think we did deserve to win, but a draw wouldn't have been unfair. I'd say a loss was pretty unfair given the chances, but, you know, that's football, isn't it? Yeah, and to be honest, having having heard a bit about Blackburn's season so far, I think that's pretty much the story of most of the games that that they've played. I mean, I think that uh, I, I think the opening day, I think it was an extremely even game between them and QPR, and the, and and they you know they they win it with a worldie, um, and then uh, and then against Swansea, although. I think they won three nil, but you know Swansea dominated the vast majority of the, the game, and, uh, and 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 Blackburn score the only three shots they have on target. So it's largely the story of of, of their of their season. I don't want to oversimplify because it's very easy easy to, but the, the common wisdom around the Albion fans seems to be at the moment. A proper number nine, a better number nine. Not better, that's not fair on Grant. A more suited number nine solves this, solves largely everything. Do you subscribe to that view? Maybe not. Solves everything, but probably helps with the finishing issue that seems to be arising. Um, And to be fair, probably within the creating chances as well, because if we do have a better target to hit, then more of Wallace's crosses are going to be completed and the actual expected goals will be going up because we've got a target to hit rather than just crossing into, you know, Grant or Dean Garner at the back post who aren't, you know, massive threats from headers. Um, Does it also help us defensively if the ball's sticking up front? Yeah, probably because you're less likely to turn the ball over if you go into the striker. I mean, I'd say against Middlesbrough and Watford especially, Grant was pretty good at receiving the ball and protecting it and drawing fouls from that. Not so much against Blackburn. I think we struggled to get it into his feet with his back to goal um, and keep the ball. I don't know if maybe that wasn't the game plan, but in the first two games, I thought he was good at it. Um, I have to say that 17-year-old kid that they had at centre-half, and I don't for him to be 17, I don't know what they've been feeding him because he's absolutely enormous. That was his debut. I thought he had an unbelievable game. Yeah, he was, he was very good and made it difficult for for Grant as well. Um, and probably dealt with him better than very senior centre-backs did for, for Watford and, and Borough. Um, I mean, especially when, I know DK didn't play against Blackburn, but when DK came on against Borough, he gave Lenahan, who's got plenty of experience in the Championship, gave him nightmares. So, yeah, really good debut for um, for him. I mean, just going back to some, it's something you said before. I mean, you you said that the the XG for Blackburn overall was about 0.3. So the two shots that they scored were fairly low percentage shots. Now, I don't I don't want this to turn into something where people think that I or this pod has a vendetta against David Button because we really don't. I want the best for any Albion player, but. I have to say, having certainly having been right behind the first goal, I thought he, I, I, I thought positionally he was poor. I, I, I thought um, that there was only one place Brereton Diaz was ever going to put that ball, and Button was too far across. And the second one, I just thought he was close enough to get it. I mean, uh, 
tell me if you think I'm being unfair, Pete, but I, I, I thought he was at fault for both goals. And I have to say, I, I, I expressed concerns about his distribution um, after the Middlesbrough game. I those concerns have dissipated a bit because I think Bruce has done a, done quite a good job. Um, it, it's quite clear from from looking at the data that um, he's actually got a ninety. He had a ninety seven percent completion of his short passes um, and only a twenty nine percent completion of his long passes against Blackburn. So it's obviously very very important that we give him short options out from the back because clearly his long passing is is poor. And I think Bruce has identified that and he's trying to give him as many short options out from the back, particularly while we haven't got a big man up front for him to hit. But that's the first time that I've been really concerned by his shot stopping and reactions. And I thought if I was being ultra critical, I'd I'd make him at least partially culpable for both goals. What do you think? To be fair to the Blackburn forwards, they're both, you know, good or very good finishes from that range. I think that's the issue really is with the range um, that they were taking from. You'd probably expect to keep it to get down a bit bit quicker and save them. Um, I've not had a chance to watch the replays on them yet, so I'm just going from what I saw when it was live um, and looking at the data as well. And when you look at the data, the actual XG, the Brereton Diaz goal was 0.04, which is very low. And for Sam Gallagher, it was 0.08, which is, again, low. Um, but when you look at the the expected goals on target, which is basically the chance of it going in after the shot was taken. So considering the placement of the shot, the power of the shot, um, where it was taken from, etc., the Burris and Diaz one was 0.4 and the Gallagher one was 0.27. So the actual percentage chance, chance of a of an average goalkeeper saving both of them was about 40%. So expecting him to save both of them would have been... A bit of an ask, I think, considering the average keeper only saves them both 40% of the time. You would have thought he'd be able to save one of them at least. But again, you know, over a big sample size, it may even itself out. It just depends on the actual quality of the keeper. So I'm kind of sitting on the fence here that there were good finishes um, and it was difficult to keep him to keep him out. Maybe to expect him to keep them both, that would have been a bit um, unfair. But we probably would have liked him to have kept at least one of them out. Yeah, I mean, I think the big concern here, Pete, is, and I agree with you, they're both good finishes, they're both in the corner, uh, and I appreciate that. But to get done by effectively the same shot twice, uh, just really, it really concerns me. And as you say, the, 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 the likelihood of both of them going in is is low. I I just felt he, he didn't show particularly good reactions. And whilst I'm, I'm not going to spend too much time harping on to days gone by. It is worth saying because he comes in for some, in my opinion, deeply unfair stick. I think Sam Johnston would have saved both. Yeah. The thing is with Johnston is that he's a much better keeper than what we should have really had in the championship. He's a Premier League goalkeeper. Um, I don't think anyone can really have too many questions about that. So I think we're extremely lucky to have him in the championship. Um, Button's obviously nowhere near as good as Johnston. Um, but I'd probably also say that he isn't one of the best shot stoppers in the league. So, I mean, if we'd got the the money available, well, if we'd got unlimited funds, then we probably would be looking to bring in another goalkeeper. But I think the issue there is that we've got priorities that aren't aren't a goalkeeper. No, although it might be one to look at towards the end of the window because the, 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 that might be a point at which clubs are looking and they've got a goalkeeper that they know that isn't going to be involved and maybe that they want to... Want, want to send them out because on that point, Pete, and I don't know, I genuinely don't know how much of the Sheffield United game you saw, but I have to say I wasn't overly impressed with, uh, with Palmer. And because I, I've wondered a little bit about him because you, whilst you obviously don't watch a lot of, of, of players whilst they're out on loan, because, well, you know, I just don't sit down and watch games from teams like Lincoln and, uh, and teams like that. But you you wonder oh, actually are they better than what than what we've got and and it's poss- it's why league cup games can be so enlightening there was a lot of positives came out of that league cup game for me i thought the performance of both the fullbacks robinson was clearly outstanding throughout throughout the game 
but uh, and Yukoslu, who uh, I'm going to go on to talk talk about in just a, just a second in a little bit more detail, was was also a big big plus. But the performance of the of the goalkeeper was the one that worried me, and and, and where it really concerned me is it it made me think we haven't really got a viable alternative here to Button, who I, I'm going to hold my hands up now, and I really hope the guy proves me wrong. But I am I'm not in the camp of rating him at this moment in time. Not that I'm saying he's a terrible goalkeeper, but I have to have a, have a fairly high bar here because where we're at as a team, where we, in, in fact, where we are quite literally at in the first three games of the season is low margin games of football. You know, we've drawn 1-1 twice and then we have lost 2-1. All three games, highly low margin. Now, I don't, I don't particularly hold Button at fault for either of the first two results although like I say I felt his distribution let us down a little bit but when when you go into a game against a team like Blackburn that you know is going to be low margin they're not going to give much uh, much away and somebody like Brereton Diaz is going to take 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 shots from areas snapshots and that, that they have been clinical so far this season You've got to make sure that the margins fall in your favour and that's where you need your goalkeeper. It's also where you need your forwards or the people on the end of our chances, which, as we've already covered, is sometimes our defenders. And you've got to take your chances at one end. And we've been critical of those players for not taking the chances. But at the same time, you've got to critique the goalkeeper at the other end because low margin works both ways, doesn't it? Low margin is taking your chances when they come along and it's keeping them out at the other end when when the opposition have them. And at the moment, we're not quite getting on the right side of the margins. And that's that's where I'm concerned, Pete, because I don't see us very often being a team like Fulham was last season where you we go and win games, fours, fives, sixes and sevens, unless we happen to get eight unbelievable signing in as the new number nine to be utterly clinical for us because we do create enough chances that if we got a player in like that that we could become that side but at the moment I think realistically the chances are we are going to play out a lot of low margin games and what that is going to mean is taking our chances at a reasonably good rate and it is going to mean keeping out low margin sorry low probability chances like you've just spoken about at the other end and if we do that we will come out on the right side of a lot of games I'm sure of that but if we don't and if players at the defensive end of the field underscore what they should be doing i.e forwards or players in attacking positions underscore their xg and goalkeepers defenders allow chances to go in that are uh, are much less probability than they uh, than chances that should be going in we've got a problem haven't we yeah and like you i'm not sure if um alex palmer is the answer um i can't say i've really ever watched more than a handful of his games um didn't catch any of the sheffield united game apart from the highlights so i can't really comment on that um I think the big concern for me is just the actual number of games that he's played and his experience level. I mean, at the start of the season, he he got 103 senior appearances, and you know that's at the age of 25. Where you look at someone like Josh Griffiths, who is only 20, and this is before the season started, he'd got 85 appearances. So he's only, you know, he's less than 20 appearances away from Palmer. But you know, come the end of the season, he'll have probably played more senior games than than Palmer actually has. So I mean, I think that's a bit of a concern when you look at Palmer that is still actually very inexperienced as a goalkeeper, even when you consider his, you look at him and see he's 25, you might think, you know, it's kind of early to mid-level of experience for a goalkeeper. But when you look at the actual number of games played, it's it's pretty low for a keeper. Um, Just to put a finer point on it, Pete, is he our number two because he's cheap? Yeah, probably, to be honest. Um, I don't know if he's... I can't really comment on the actual quality of him because I've not seen too much of him. But you know, he is he is cheap. Um, we're probably looking at Josh Griffiths for the future, but he 
obviously needed another season at a lower level where he's going to play the vast majority of games to develop a bit more. Um, so uh, from the outside looking in, it looks like Palmer's a bit of a, you know, just a stopgap to fill that space for a while whilst Griffiths develops and, and in the next year or two pushes on to become the first choice keeper. Um, so yeah, I'm not one for pushing for Palmer to start ahead of Button because, I mean, even just by the levels of experience Button's got, um, you know, he's got over 300 senior appearances compared to Palmer's just over 100. It's, you know, it's a big difference and, and I can see why Bruce is opting for Button to start the season. Um, I understand the point that Palmer's come through the, the academy and, you know, supporters like myself love seeing an academy player in the team, but they've got to be in the team on, on merit rather than just because they're an academy player, especially in such a crucial position as, as the goalkeeper. Am I slightly overreacting in, in in the the worry that the goalkeeper costs us in um, in low margin games, uh, Pete? Uh, and because I do acknowledge the fact that we have been fairly spoilt in that position, watching Ben Foster and Sam Johnston for the for the last however many years that uh, that is, and and I realise that those are two goalkeepers who are probably of a much higher quality than West Bromwich Albion given the respective positions we've held over the course of the years that those two goalkeepers were our number one, probably should have. Or am I right in in saying that if we are going to challenge at the top end of the league, we probably need to expect a better level from from, from our goalkeeper? Well, we've definitely been spoiled in our goalkeepers. I mean, we've had two that have been pushing for the, the number one spot for England for I mean, we've had them for the past probably close on 10 years now, so we've definitely been spoiled. Um, but we are at a lower level than we were 10 years ago. Um, I think, obviously, the goalkeeper costs you costs you goals and costs you points, but so does every position, really. Um, it's just, it's easy to put more put a bit more blame on the goalkeeper because it's, you know, yeah, the last no, There's nowhere to hide, though, is there, with a the goalkeeper? I mean, with the, with the best will in the world, if you write back... Makes a makes a mistake, the, or your centre midfielder makes a mistake. There's probably players between them and the goal that can mop up. If your goalkeeper makes a mistake, it's a goal. Yeah, exactly, and that's why they come under fire a bit more. But I think the mistakes that anyone anyone else on the pitch can make can be equal to to a goal. It's just it doesn't necessarily stand out as being that big of a mistake because it doesn't directly you can't directly see that it's cost you a goal. Um, so I think, I mean, I think they're as important as every other position, really. I think it's hard to say that they're more important. It's just the question of whether the goalkeepers that we do have at the minute are of a high enough quality for what we want to be achieving. But then, um, to be fair, I'm not, really, I'm not really ready to say yes or no on them yet. Um, obviously, Palmer, I've not really seen much of them, but... Um, I've still not seen an awful lot of. Um, I mean, it's probably something I'll take a closer look into when I get a chance to, because different goalkeepers, you know, excel in different different parts of the game. I broke it down for Johnson at one point. Um, you know, some goalkeepers prefer to are better at saving headers rather than um, like one on ones where they have to the uh, sorry the forwards bearing in on them for a long time. Um, some are better with just reaction saves and that sort of stuff. So I think it's something that needs to be understood by the club as well. And then you, when you set up the defence, you kind of want to set it up in a way that you can see chances that the goalkeeper favours. Um, and yeah, I'm not really sure whether Button is good enough for what we're trying to achieve, but then it always comes down to to the finances of the club and, and where on the you know, what level of priority it is to replace him and bring in a better keeper. I suppose the thing is, Pete, ultimately we've, we've still got a, what what we on uh, now, we've still got a basically two weeks until the transfer window shuts a little bit more than, um, and we do, you know, we don't know what money we're going to have left in the budget. We also don't know what money a goalkeeper, if there was one around that, that we would take would, would cost. Maybe it's one to keep an eye on as the, as the window goes by. And I hope Button proves himself to be the answer. I, I have to say, I've been disappointed in him in 
two of the three games that I've seen him in so far this season. Ironically, the one game I wasn't disappointed in him is the one where he's got lobbed from the halfway line. I actually yeah, didn't think that was his fault at all and, and thought he had a decent game. But at the moment, I think it's one to monitor. And I think if if things continue the way they are for me, it's one that I hope the club look at uh, before the before the end of the transfer window. But if he he's going to have a number of games before the end of that window, and I hope he proves himself and proves me wrong. Just moving on swiftly, and we've obviously got two games coming up in the next week, both at home, Cardiff and Hull. Very, very big games now, given the fact that we are three without a win at the start of this season. How, Whatever context there is, and there's plenty of context around those uh, those three games, you know, second half against Middlesbrough, very positive, whole 90 against Watford, very positive. And I would say marginally, but still factually, the better team against Blackburn. Nonetheless, we've took two points from three games and it's important to get wins on the board. So there are a couple of massive games. And for me, Pete, I think always when you've got two games in a week, even at this early stage of the season, I think it's reasonable to expect a certain level of rotation in in the, in the starting lineup. And I have to say, for me, that would begin with Yukoslu starting against Watford. I just think he's shown. I'd like to think his fitness levels after a cameo against Watford, an hour against Sheffield United in the League Cup, and then coming on against Blackburn at the weekend. I'd like to think his fitness levels are at a point where he could start a game of a game of football. I personally would like to see him come in for Livermore and that's nothing against against Jake Livermore but I think Malumbi has done enough to keep his keep his place and then you look at what Yukoslu brings and he's okay he's only played 41 minutes of uh, of championship football so far but he's got a he's got a 96.4% pass completion rate. He I mean this is quite staggering really against Blackburn he had a hundred percent pass completion rate. He played fifteen passes, fifteen completed. I mean, whilst pass completion rate is not everything, the guy is just such a classy operator, and he keeps the ball for us, and he gets us moving forward. And obviously, Bruce and the the the, the strength and conditioning staff and uh, and the medical staff behind the scenes will know much better than I where Yukoslu is in his development. But for me, if he is anywhere near to being able to play 70 minutes, say, in a championship game of football, I would have him in there against Cardiff. What, is, what say you? I think I'd agree with that. Um, when he is ready to play, then, I mean, I can't really see, can't really see why he, he wouldn't be in the starting lineup. The only The only question there for me is whether he, he is ready to start. And like you say, you'd hope he would be after his cameo so far. Um, that's something that the, Bruce and the medical team can can assess and if he is ready then I'd say he's an upgrade on Livermore and yeah just to repeat what you say about Malumbi is that he's deserved to to keep his place so for me Livermore misses out yeah Yukoslu is probably better on the ball just to you know hark on about it a bit more he's not the midfielder that the kind of midfielder that we were crying out for someone's going to move it forward and that's kind of what I think that's kind of why Swift dropped in a bit when the subs were made against Blackburn to try and help move it forward. But when you compare your country to Livermore, I think he, he's kind of basically better in, in the majority of, of ways that you want to look at it so, um, when he is in there. And even if he does even if he does only play a half, then you know we've got we've got five substitutions that we can make. So if he can get forty five out of him at least, you know, swap him at half time, then you don't, you don't have to use one of your your three sub breaks. So I still have plenty of players on the bench to to use later on in the game. So yeah, I think we need to try and get him into the side when he's ready and kind of make the most of those those five subs that we can make. I mean, how much would you be because oh, that, that's I think that's one change we would both definitely make going into going into Cardiff. How much would you be changing it much more than that going into going into that game? And also, do you think that that we are going to see much uh, rotation between these two games or? At this very early stage in the season, would you expect players to be capable of playing two games in a week without um, showing too much drop-off and 
and potentially costing us in 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 the in the second game because I think it's something that we we saw a little bit under under Val where he didn't he didn't change the team a lot where there was two games in a week and we would quite regularly see see quite a poor performance in the in the second of those two games. Yeah, I mean it's it's still early days and players haven't had that kind of fixture overload so. And especially with five subs as well. If you use them wisely, then you know there's, you're only going to have what six well six players, including your goalkeepers. So five outfield players that are going to complete the full ninety. And if you can, you can kind of um, have a small rotation almost because you can manage the minutes with those five subs. And the fact that we know that, well, we can assume against Derby it's going to be um, a rotated squad and the midweek fixture next week, then, you know, then they're, they're not going to be playing the three games in, in, you know, the space of seven days, it's only going to be the two games. So uh, to directly answer the question, I think Bruce might look to make um, one or two changes to start in lineup, but then also make the most of his sub so that hopefully we can kind of get the, get a few goals in and almost get the game sorted with the strongest 11 and then rest them for, for you know the last third of the game or however long by using those five subs. Yeah, because I mean the, the concern for me at the moment, Pete, is is that, and this this is going to come back to me having a dig at the owner and uh, quite justifiably so, I would say that we are fairly threadbare at the moment, aren't we? I mean, you look through the the squad. We've had to move Moat out to try and bring enough money in to go and get a as a center forward in we've had to move Moat on to a a club that we would consider to be a promotion rival and you run through the squad and you would say we've got David Button who is for me a question mark and then you've got Palmer as the number two goalkeeper who it doesn't seem anybody particularly trusts because if he if he was trusted he would have started the season as the number one so we've gone for the cheap option there. Then you look at the centre-halves. We're one injury away from a real problem there because at the moment we've got O'Shea, O'Shea Bartley and Ajay, three players for two spaces. But for me, only Ajay and Bartley are in... Uh, sorry, only O'Shea and Bartley are interchangeable. If if we had an injury to Ajay, there is no viable alternative who can do anything close to what he could, he can do. I was really pleased with the two fullbacks against Sheffield United. And I think that um, Taylor Gardner-Hickman and Ashworth look to be good backups to Townsend and Furlong. But then really concerningly, there's rumours of uh, of potentially a move for Taylor Gardner-Hickman today to Blackburn and the numbers, uh, sorry, uh, to, um, to to Brighton. And, and, and the, the numbers being kicked around three, four million. Come off it. Wouldn't buy his left his little toe on his left foot. Thank you very much. But it seems like we're so desperate that that, that people are trying to raid us like we're a fire sale at the, at the moment. And then you go in uh, go into midfield, and you know even even then, if you're taking Taylor Gardner Hickman as a right wing back, then what have you got? You've got Livermore, Mullumby, and Yukoslu. We've got a bit more. Uh, we've we've got a little bit more option in the wide areas with Phillips and fellows as, as backup. And then you've got, you've effectively got Robinson playing back up to both the 10 and the nine position. Another player that we've tried to move on this summer. And, and then you're into Cleary who looked decent against Sheffield United. I must say should have scored, had a really, really big opportunity and is an exciting prospect. But nonetheless, you can't be relying on a kid to score your goals, to get you promotion. The point I'm rather laboring to, and I realize I've kind of gone around the houses a little bit here, is you've got an awful lot of money outstanding in loans from Lie owed to the club. And we've got a threadbare squad and we're having to let players out to promotion rivals. And one of our star young talents is being linked to a move away for the kind of sums that should be laughed out of the park. And yet we've got an enormous amount of money that would make a massive difference, this squad, and could strengthen us in areas which, I because I think we've got the basis of a promotion-winning squad here, Pete. But at the moment, there's, for me, there is not the depth to go and win this division or get anything close to that. 
I think at best we are a promotion side with the depth that we have if we don't pick up too many injuries. But if that money went back into the squad, there is absolutely no... Because I've seen nobody in this division that I think is particularly special. Norwich have started slowly. Watford, while they have seven points, have convinced in none of the games that I've seen. Burnley have uh, have looked nice, but seem to have a bit of a soft centre. There's nothing... And Blackburn are winning games low margin. There's nothing in this division that particularly scares me. But what scares me is is the total and utter lack of depth. And it's all come because Mr. Lai withdraws money like with his personal blooming bank account and uses it for his own ends and leaves this squad way short and leaves Steve Bruce, who I think is doing a decent job and he's, uh, he's, has got these players on side and has got us playing some decent football and genuinely is only one or two players away from really having a go at this division. But Lai leaves us short of those one or two players because he withdraws the money. And it, I think it's absolutely criminal, Pete. Yeah, it's a disgrace. Um, if Bruce had, what, seven million in the bank, as he should, then, I mean, that, that can easily bring in two, three quality players um, for, you know, the championship, le- championship level. And if he does that, then I think we'd be right up there. Um, pushing for automatics, to be honest. So, yeah, I mean, if you if you get promotion out of the out of the championship, then you you the value of your your club probably shoots up by you know. I, I was going to say, is he stitching himself up here? Is is is, is Gauchon Lai stitching himself up here? Because I really think we are so close, so close to being a scary force in this division, and he's the one holding us back. And as you say, if we go up, Pete then his va- the value of this club goes up. And also, the guarantee of Premier League money and three years of parachute payments, even if we come straight back down, is suddenly there again. Yeah. Um, you know, the, just the value of the club shoots up by probably two or three times. And then you guarantee yourself, guarantee yourself two years of parachute payments. Um, three, if you can stay up for a season. Um, so, you, you know, as an owner, you're in a much, much better better place if he can push for promotion and I think everyone kind of knows that he wants to to cash out and and well he's not going to profit on it but probably make a make some of his money back and the the best chance of making the most of that money back is by winning promotion and I think we're probably in one of the best spots that we we can be and will be in the next um you know five years to win promotion this year and that seven million would make a make an absolutely massive difference to the to the well, just the chances of winning promotion. Yeah, and my, my plea to Albion fans, my plea to you guys listening is look, please stick with this team. Please stick with Steve Bruce, because to be fair to them, they've other than for the first forty five minutes against Middlesbrough where we're absolutely dismal, they've given you pretty much everything in two league game, two and a half league games and a league cup game. And Bruce has delivered on what he promised, which is some pretty decent football, some attacking football. It's not his fault that he hasn't got a striker to stick the ball in the back of the net. I I think you've got to stick with this team because even though we are two points from three games, that's not the start any of us wanted. I think the signs are there. I just think that the manager is being sold short by the owner who is an abs- I think you saw, the, the word you used was disgrace, Pete, and you're absolutely bang on the money. The owner is an absolute disgrace. He he is he treat he doesn't care one iota about this club. He's treating us like a bank account where he can make withdrawals whenever whenever he wants, and he is selling this club short. I honestly believe this season, Pete that if we fall short, and this is obviously I'm not clairvoyant, I don't know what's going to happen in the rest of the season, but I think if if we fall short this season, it won't be because of the manager, it won't be because of the players, and I don't think it'll be because of the recruitment, because I think, to be fair to us, every player we've brought in so far this summer has been a big, big improvement on what we've already wanted. But he is going to leave us short because of the money he withdrew and promised to return 
and didn't. And if we if we don't succeed in what we are what we intend to succeed in this season, it'll be because of one man, and and it's not the man in the dugout, and it's not any of the men on the pitch. Yeah, looking at where we are now, the games that we've seen so far, then I can only agree with that because we're just short in we're short of two or three good players to play as comp- you know backup or competition for first team spots. Um, nobody expected, well, nobody really expected DK to to get another injury, an unrelated one, as that. Um, and but you shouldn't have to expect it. You should you should know that you've not really got any direct backup. You've got Grant, who's very different, but no direct backup to him to fit the style of play that we want to play. So we should really be recruiting for for that backup, um, like at the start of the window when there's probably more options. Um, there's players that would have been available on a free, but maybe have been given a one-year extension um, or just available on cheap. I mean, Keenan Davis, for for example, if we'd started negotiations earlier because we'd known that we'd have that money in the bank, then we'd have probably been in with a good shot of of um, getting him on loan. Which well, exactly because it's it's fairly obvious that Watford couldn't bring him in until they'd moved Emmanuel Dennis out, and and the injury to DK happened what a week before um, before Dennis moved to Forest yeah and by the reports sounded like Watford had kind of been working on that deal for a while knowing that Dennis would eventually be moved on and because they'd they'd known that they'd eventually have that money in the bank they were able to work on it and that's why they beat us to him but we kind of we, I don't think we were looking for it to be honest until Dickey got that injury and then you know we moved Mo, Mo on as soon as possible to free up some wages, but we were a bit too late to the party and that's why we lost out. If we got that seven million in the bank at the start of the window, then we'd have probably been able to start negotiations a bit earlier because we'd have known that we could afford it and not wait for an injury and having to ship a player out on loan to a promotion rival to be able to, you know, afford to start making negotiations. Well that's the thing, because Bruce has said a couple of times that um a new striker wasn't on the cards until DK got injured. Now you are not telling me for one second that Steve Bruce did not want another centre forward because anybody could see that that's an area we're short of. The the, the simple fact is that Bruce probably knew that if DK stayed fit, that there's probably another area or two. I, I would imagine prob- probably an, another centre-half was probably where he was at because he he, he knows you can't, you can't run with three centre-halves in this division for a championship season with the intensity that it is and the amount of injuries that will come and the amount of suspensions that will come. I'm pretty sure that where, uh, what Bruce was saying after the Watford game when he spoke about this and uh, and said that DK getting injured has changed our transfer plans. I imagine what money, what little money that we did have was probably going to be utilised on getting probably a young centre-half on loan towards the end of, uh, towards the end of the window to act as backup to the three centre-halves, three senior centre-halves that we, that we've got. As it's turned turned out, he needs the money immediately and he needs more money than he thought he did. So he's had to move Moat out. So now <laughs> we are short at centre forward, central midfield and centre back. And none of it is Bruce's fault. Yeah. Um, I just keep coming back to the 7 million that we probably wouldn't be short. We'd be able to afford players in, in those three positions. Had we got that, the money from those loans that have been taken out from the club, um, you know, we'd we'd be able to bulk out the squad a bit more and have quality players in in positions that we'd need them and be able to rotate and have competition for starting roles. And all in all, just be in a much better shape as a squad and, and be able to push for promotion um, in a much better way and just improve the chances of, of getting back to the Premier League and, and Mr. Lai getting a bit of his money back that he, he spent on the club. Absolutely. Well, look, we could we could rant about Gauchan Lai all night, but we're not going to because we'll just keep going over and over the same points. But Pete, just to finish off, um, just going to quickly look ahead to the two games that we've that we've got coming up: Cardiff and Hull. And whilst we've 
seen off three incredibly difficult fixtures, it doesn't get a lot easier, does it? I mean, I know the championship is intense at the best of times and the, 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 the cliche is that there's no easy games. No, but there is easier games. Um, and Cardiff, I think, are a bit inconsistent, but I do think they're starting to to come together quite quite nicely, actually, under under Steve Morrison. And I think Sawyers has been a big pickup for them. I think O'Dowd has been an excellent pickup for them. And then you look at Hull, and I think the, the thing with Hull was, I mean, we said this when we did our season preview and did some predictions. <laughs> we said Hull could be absolutely anything this season because you don't you didn't know anything about the players most of the players that they were bringing in I have to say at the moment at this moment in time I'd look at them as maybe cheeky dark horses in this in this division I think we've got two really tough games coming up I think Cardiff is a game that you know I, we've got to target the three points. We've got to target the three points in both games. But I think Cardiff is probably, they're inconsistent. And I would like to think if Albion show up and play to the best of their ability, that we turn Cardiff over. But Hull, Hull's one that I look at and I just go, they are so, they're such an anomaly, like in this division this season. And, 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 it's it, it's it's a bit of a scary fixture that one. Yeah, I mean, when we were looking at doing our when we did our season predictions, our one to twenty fours, I think quite a lot of clubs. There's probably at least ten clubs that just, for me at least, were very hard to to predict where they'd finish, whether they'd be in you know on the edge of playoff spots all the way down to sixteenth, seventeenth. There's there's a lot of clubs that for me could have come anywhere in there, and I think Hull especially and Cardiff would. Both teams in that kind of that group, um, and you don't really know what you're going to get. For me, Blackburn. If you'd asked me at the start of the season, I think Blackburn would have been one of the easier games that we got to start off with. Um, but you know, they're they're top of the table now, so it's difficult to say. Um, both Hull and Cardiff have both started quite well. Um, they may be difficult, but like you say, I think we need to be targeting targeting three points. I think we do in in almost every game. Um, We've got a, a very good squad, and and I think I don't think we should really be going into games thinking, oh, maybe we can pick up a point if we shop, 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 and um, keep it tight at the back. I think, and I don't think Bruce Bruce will have that attitude. By the way, no, we we're a very good squad for the for the championship, and I think Bruce knows that. I think he knows for the championship, he's probably a, a good manager, and that we'll be able to go out and attack sides and and play exciting football, which is. You know, something that the supporters have been craving for the past for the past year. It's what we want to see. We'd rather see an exciting game and maybe win a few less games over the season, lose a few more games over the season, whatever however you want to look at it, than just shutting up shop each game and and winning them all. Because um, at the end of the day, you you pay your money, you you make the journey, you you want to be entertained. You don't want to just see boring football and and going with three points. Obviously, the three points is nice, but if you're doing that for 46 games a season, you know, it does start to get a bit boring. You, you want players like Dan Garner on the ball to excite you. You want Grant scoring, scoring plenty of goals. Um, that's what you want to see. And I think we've got the squad to, to take that to basically every team in the, in the division. Well, let's hope Albion do take it to Cardiff and Hull and that we can be the right side of those fine margins where we quite haven't quite fallen the right side of them so far this season. Pete and I will be back after the Cardiff and Hull games. They're, they're, they're a bit too close together for us to produce a pod after after each one. So when we have, we it will be one pod a week um, this season. We tried to do pods after every game last season and uh, frankly with work commitments and everything else going on uh, going on outside of it it just became impossible also by the time we produced it edited it and got it out it, that largely they were that they were a little bit out of time by that by that point so it will be one pod a week so we'll be back after the whole game to talk again about about the baggies and hopefully we'll be talking about West Bromwich Albion on eight points instead of two now wouldn't that be a lovely thing but until then Thanks for listening and off the baggies.
Albion have certainly been sharing the goals around this season. They're well into double figures now for different championship goal scorers. So why not take a leaf out of their book and do some sharing of your own with a McNugget share box? Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.